Hello, are we on the air yet? Welcome to the Core Performance Podcast, taking you one step closer to self-mastery on and off the course. Fire up that growth mindset, and let's dive into the core of elite golf and human performance. Now, here's your hosts, Ian Highfield and Andrew Losey. Hello, Core Performance Podcast. I am your host, Ian Highfield, and today we are joined by two experts on the Masters because it is that time. It's approaching Masters week. So we have my regular co-host, Andrew Losey, who attended the Masters last year uh, with Ian Poulter and the family. And we have lead coach, Luke Cantillo from Core Golf, who not many know this because he's a very humble guy, but worked on uh, television commentating on the Masters for Star Sports in Singapore. So I'm going to fire some questions out to these guys about Masters, uh, past and present and their experiences, and get ready for 30 to 40 minutes of us guys nerding out on what can only be described as one of the best sporting events in the world. Gentlemen, how are we? Doing well. So, Great. Thank you very much. It's, it's coming up to that time. Um, let's kick off with, with the co-host, Andrew. Andrew, why don't you explain a little bit about your master's experience last year, and then you can be completely upstaged by Luke, who can show <laughs> off because he commentated on the, uh, on the television. I feel like we're just going to keep upstaging each other with our master's experiences here because um, <laughs> – because obviously I have a very unique experience, Luke too, and now you're going to actually coach there. So um, yeah, last thanks, year- Thanks for um, saving me. You know, thanks was, for saving me there. <laughs> last last year I, I was going, um, I, I went to the Masters with, with the Poulter family when I was working with them. Um, so uh, there was only 5,000 people there because it was still during COVID. So I got to experience uh, Augusta National unlike any other masters uh, where, you know, normally there'd be 50,000 plus people there and you can't really, you know, get a great spot. You got to go and kind of sit in one spot um, and, and, you know, stay there for a while to, to really see some golf. But I got to follow, um, you know, everybody and, and get, you know, up close and personal with the golfers. So it was pretty cool. Um, and, and also, you know, being a PGA professional, you can go to the masters and you can go to the major championships whenever, um, you know, whenever you have time, you're, you're allowed to go. Um, but one of the things you, you don't get to do at Augusta is drive down Magnolia lane, but because I was with, uh, Poulter, I was able to drive down Magnolia lane for one week straight, every single morning, every single evening. Um, so it was a pretty special way to, to experience Augusta for the first time and experience the masters. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So I have a question. Did you get to yeah. play the course? I did not get to play the course. I was I know a guy. A ton. I know a guy that did get to play the course. Yeah. So now yeah. you definitely we, we are upstaging. We should talk to him. So Luke, do you want to start with your stories about commentating on television and having a media pass? Or do you want to start with your stories about playing the golf course? I don't really care, but maybe we just hand the podcast over to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, 
Andrew has about six more drives down Magnolia Lane than I do. So that's <laughs> one to Andrew. So um, no, I only had one and that was the day that I played. So, um, which was great, which was obviously probably the greatest day of my life yeah. to be honest right now. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was very fortunate enough to uh, be doing, when I was living in Singapore, uh, I was doing a, I managed to get myself onto a, a weekly TV program just a 30 minute sort of recap um, for ESPN star sports in Asia. And it was just a 30 minute recap of, you know, what happened on the PGA tour, what happened on the European tour, the Asian tour, the LPGA and so on. So, and somehow managed to persuade um, the producers of that show um, who already were going to Augusta each year to kind of just do coverage and, and things like that, that myself and my, my, uh, my co, my partner on the on the team, another another golf pro, teaching pro, um, that we needed to go to the to the Masters as well. So uh, I did it for five years. Uh, I'm showing my age here, and this is uh, 2006 to 2010. So yeah, I, I got to spend basically from pretty much from Monday to Sunday uh, each year at the Masters, and had some pretty exclusive access, I will say. So um, with a media pass, you can pretty much go anywhere except for the players' locker room and the champions' locker room. So I could go to the media center. I could, uh, you know, pretty much wherever I wanted to go um, except for the, the players' locker room. So the access and the, and the things that I saw were, I mean, I could, this could go on yeah. for hours. But um, it, was, it was just, it's just, I look back on it as just a massively special um, experience and i'm happy to share whatever you'd like me to talk about about it so what like i've never been i'm i'm, I'm gonna go when you first walk in there because i've heard people explain this just what's it like like and, and and both of you so yeah luke you you go and then andrew go and then base i'll and, just keep asking and before questions. and before you answer luke i just just for all the listeners we all have huge smiles on our faces because the, the Masters is just the best thing ever. So I just love this. I love chatting about it. All right, go ahead. So, so my, my first experience uh, was pretty special. We, we actually got there late. Our flights were delayed. Uh, and we got there late on the Monday afternoon. And myself and my buddy, we were just pumped, jumping out of our skins. And we were staying at this dodgy hotel on Washington. Washington Road, which is basically the same road that um, Augusta is on, that Magnolia Lane is on. We were about a mile from the, from Magnolia Lane, and we were we contacted the producer and we were like, oh, "Let's go, let's go. We want to jump out." There's people everywhere walking around, even a mile away from from uh, Magnolia Lane, and the, he was like, "No, you should just relax. You should rest." Like we'd come from Singapore, it was a crazy long flight. And he said, relax, because you want to experience it tomorrow morning by yourselves. And we were like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're going to get there at about six o'clock. And we get there at six o'clock every morning to sort of set up and do things. And the public don't get in until eight. So from 6.15, 6.30 till eight o'clock, you guys are good. So you can walk around wherever you want, walk around the club, go in the clubhouse, walk around do whatever you like for just an hour and a half just to see that first experience. And the compound, the media compound that we were at was basically behind the, the par three course. I don't know whether it's still there. They, they make changes all the time, but 
So we walked up through the par three course, which was just stunning. There's a big lake and the sort of the mist was coming off the lake. It was like, it was mythical, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, got up and just walked around uh, the first tee, the 18th green, the 10th tee, um, and then just sort of walked down the first few holes until, until we had to do our work for the day. So it was that first experience. It was a beautiful morning. It was sunny. I'll never forget it. And the place just looked exactly like the pictures, um, even better, obviously. And uh, yeah, that was my first experience. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was very special that you, we were just, myself and my buddy, who were obviously master's geeks, just, uh, just there by ourselves, just drinking it all in. Yeah, I would say, I would say for me, my first experience, you know, having watched it on TV for all the years and thinking about it, I, I was always like, I was always, I, I always got tired of hearing the whole like, oh, you don't understand the undulation until you, until you're actually there. Like I was tired of hearing it, it just on CBS every single year. And then when I got there, I, I got there on a Monday afternoon and, and Poulter was going to just hit some balls on the range. So I said, okay, I'm going to go walk, walk the back nine, you know, for two hours. And so I walked by the first hole and I'm starting to walk down 10 a little bit. And the first probably, I don't know, 150 yards is relatively kind of flat on that little cart path area. And then you just start to round the corner and you just see just the biggest valley and then just the tallest mountain of the 10th green. And it's almost like just a flat face there. Um, it's, I mean, and the sun was just so perfect. I mean, coming through the trees and then, you know, I walk down and I see where Bubba hit his wedge shot, you know, his big hook, um, which was just so special. And I think, I think, you know, coming from a coach's perspective, like I have aspirations, like I want to coach players that, you know, that are major champions. Like that's where I want to get to at the end of my career. Like it'd be so, so cool. And so I was kind of taking it in about like, you know, some of the things I've heard about how it's such a strenuous walk and how at the end of your, your 72 holes, when you're walking up that 18th hole, you know, it's kind of like a reflection of your journey because it's such a climb and it's such a physical test too. And on the 10th hole, you know, it's going to be even tougher this year when you go from the 10th green to the 11th tee box, you've got like a hundred yard walk and you're going straight downhill and then straight back uphill. And then after you tee off, you go downhill and then you go straight back uphill. So there's so much, like it's, there's so much undulation there. And um, like, I wasn't even carrying a golf bag or anything out there and I was tired. Um, but I mean, such a special place. So what I think what people, Sorry, I, sorry. I think no, what no, people don't really understand, it's it's such a big ballpark. Yeah. Like the property, the property, the, the property that the course is on is enormous. So, you know, to the left of the 18th, there's and in between the 18th and the 9th is just this massive yeah. expansive area where there's where there's nothing. Yeah. And apparently that was the original practice fairway. And, and they even apparently, you know, they shut it for World War II and grazed cattle there. Like, it's just this massive, it, it's just a huge, huge ballpark. And the slopes, yeah, are as dramatic as everyone says. But it's just, I think the expansiveness yeah. of the place is just pretty, pretty incredible yeah. to when you get out there.
Luke, you said like you got in there at, at 6 a.m. And, and you soak it all in until eight. And then you used the term before you had to go to work. So while I'm interested yeah. in, the, in the masters, I'm interested in like, what was your day's work? And then how did that expose you to like the golf course and, and also the tournaments? Like we should talk about the players that you saw and what they did and who won those years. Sure. So as I said, we would get there at sort of, sort of six and then, you know, we'd help set the, the, all the cameras up and things like that. Um, the producers would go through, you know, what the plan was. So at about, you know, it, on TV, it's, it's pretty much all about lighting. Um, and we were a pretty mobile crew. So, you know, when the sun was in the right place and, and so on, we had to find places that, where the lighting was good. So, um, so we would sort of, it got to the point where each time we were trying to each day we were and each year we were trying to sort of move to different areas of the property to, you know, to tell different stories and, and different things about the golf course. You know, like I can remember the biggest one for me is we, one morning we were, we got to walk inside the ropes um, and we walked down to, you know, me being an Australian and my buddy also being an Australian, we, and Adam Scott hadn't won yet. So, we walked down to the spot where Larry Myers chipped in to break, to beat Greg Norman in like 1987. Mm -hmm. And so we would sort of, walk, you know, go around the golf course to different places and do, you know, five minute pieces about, you know, this is the place, like look at the shot that he had. And um, I remember as I was in, so that was pretty incredible. And, you know, we were in the grandstand on the 15th one day sort of, with the back with the green in the background sort of looking at how steep it is on that bank and and seeing how the ball sort of would you know if anything came off that green with a little bit of spin it was in the water so we tried to sort of come up with just you know little five ten minute things that would fit in between the telecasts um and just give the viewer a, i guess a different view a different a different sort of perspective to what they normally see on tv so we do that in the morning um and then in the middle of the day we didn't really have much to do and then in the afternoon when the light was better um we shot some similar stuff as the day wore down that's awesome that remind for the english listeners and luke i know you spent a little time in england when you watch golf on the bbc they had ken on the course ken brown would go on the course right. and he would recreate shots right so the fact you were doing that that resonates a lot with with me um I guess a question to both of you, if you could do that now, what shot are you going to go and recreate? So you, you obviously said that the, the time era when you did this, there's been some epic shots uh, hit since then and, and some not so epic shots. Um, where, where would you go and what shot would you be, be trying to recreate? You want to take, take that? Andrew, you take it away. You take oh, it away. gosh, I have I have no clue. Um, I think uh, the coolest shots that I that I saw at, at Augusta when I was there, they weren't necessarily like these crazy televised shots. So like, you know, obviously like that Larry Mize chip in is really a cool shot. I think like, um, you know, obviously a tee shot on 12 would be really cool um to hit but like so 
for me, the coolest shot that I saw was, uh, I think it was, I think it was on the, uh, the Friday round. Um, and we were on the third hole, the, the par, the par four, the short par four, it's like three, three fifty or so. And it's the one that's got, you know, this massive, like three or four story, like swale down to the left, uh, you know, a little bit of raised green and, and Poulter hit his hit like a hybrid off the tee or something. And so he, he left himself maybe like 90 yards in and the pin was in the back, right. Which is the most accessible, uh, you know, pin location to get to, cause there's so much room to work with. And obviously growing up, I always hear how fast and how firm the greens are. And so he's got this 90 yard wedge shot. I figure, okay, like if I'm hitting that shot, I'm probably going to fly it maybe, I don't know, five yards short of the pin and it's going to just kind of splat and stop. Well, he took this, this wedge shot using a 60 degree wedge and he hit it maybe 20 feet high and landed it on the front of the green. And it took a 45 foot bounce and then stopped on a dime. So like, there's obviously so many awesome shots and so many famous shots, but I think, you know, for me loving short game so much and loving hitting wedges and bunker shots, I think like I would want to just chip around some of these greens cause they are like, they are massive and they are undulating and firm. Like it would be, it would be really fun. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say about short game, like one of the memories that I have and he's, he just got, um, made European Ryder Cup captain, Henrik Stenson. Um, he very rarely played the practice rounds. So, they, well, not that I saw. So what he would do with his caddy, his caddy was uh, Fanny Sinison at the time, the, the, the lady that used to caddy for Faldo during his, his prime. He would just take a wedge, a couple of wedges and putter. And he would just, that, his practice round was just short game um so he just he'd walk to each green and just chip around for sort of 20 minutes or so as as the groups were kind of passing and he kind of just would just walk around the rough walk through the rough while people were playing um and then just go to each green and just spend 20 to 20 minutes on each each green just chipping so i i think if i was to recreate a shot i think everyone wants the putt on 18 right Mm -hmm. to win to win so and for me as yeah. an Aussie, like Adam Scott hold that putt, but what was to get into a playoff, he thought he was going to win at the time. But, um, and then the putt that he hold to win, I would like to have that putt on 10. Um, but then if there's one shot that you're going to hit, you know, I think the 12th hole, the tee shot at the 12th is, yeah. is, is the shot that everyone wants to hit. But I think if you were going to try a particular shot, um, I wouldn't mind dropping a bag of balls back left on 16 and recreate. Yeah, I was waiting for that. I was, yeah, there. I, was, I did. I've, I said no, no, short game I and I didn't even say it. Oh. I was writing in my notes. I was going to hold it to the screen. I cannot be friends with you guys if you don't talk about <laughs> Tiger's shot on 16. So that was, um, right. was 2005, 2005. Right? That was That was the year before I arrived. Mm. So which, yeah, I missed it by a year. Oh, wow. So two, 2005, he has that chip in. I mean, that was just, that was just savage, right? Yeah. And then 
I think the other one, like we can just talk about Tiger Woods now, right? We've done the Masters thing. We can it can evolve into the Tiger <laughs> Woods podcast. His um, where he nearly made ace when uh, Phelps was behind him when he won in two thousand and nineteen, and just sixteen. Just, uh, so, when was it? Sixteenth no, no, hole. Oh yeah, yeah, sixteenth hole. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I got the yeah. date wrong. Um, think about that. Two thousand and five. And 2019, that is, I mean, that's unbelievable. And I think if I was going to try and create, recreate one shot, oh, there we go. There we go. Andrew's got it framed. I think if I would try and recreate one shot that I was capable of pulling off, maybe I'd have a 50% ratio it is put on 18 from one and a half feet. Like, I can't even <laughs> imagine that. I can't, I'm looking at that putt thinking, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would make it, but... It's, it would be a little tester. It would be a little tester. So, yeah, just just oh. awesome, awesome memories. Um, what was it like for you, Andrew? Um, did you get the, the, the player access? Did you walk around with, with Porter in any sort of family or restricted areas? Or So, um, so I had a coach's pass, um, which got me access to the driving range. Um, which I only used one time because I, you know, at, at that point I had been with the Poulters for maybe, uh, eight months or so. And I'd been with, with him at some events, but you know, it being a major or, you know, the first major that I went to, I, I didn't really want to go and, you know, geek out while he's on the range, um, and, and, you know, go stand with him on the range. So I kind of let him do his thing, but then. Um, at the end of Sunday's round, he, he, I think he teed off in the morning, uh, in the morning wave on, on, uh, that Sunday. And so after the round, I said, Hey, Ian, could, could we, uh, just you and I go walk the range together? Cause you know, I'm allowed to go on there and I haven't been yet. And so we went and, and I just kind of got, got to go walk down the range, um, you know, and, and spend five, 10 minutes out there just kind of chatting with him and, and looking at the range and, and just being out there. But, um, the coolest, the coolest thing that I did, which, which, um, hopefully this doesn't get to anybody at Augusta cause I might not be allowed back, but, um, so, so all the players, they're allowed to go in the member shop for the week and the family is allowed to go as well. And so, uh, Ian's son, Luke, who I'm walking around with and, and, you know, his, his other, you know, family, um, that's there, they say, Hey, we're going to go into the member shop and we're going to get some stuff. And so Luke goes, Hey, Andrew, just, just come with me and just kind of be quiet. And so I walk into the member shop and I start like picking out things that I want to, you know, want to get and everything and some ball markers and a head cover, everything. And, um, and then like five minutes go by and I start just seeing eyeballs, just like, I feel eyeballs just attracting me and, and just staring at me. And then the head merchandiser comes up to me and, and like, like I'd never met this person. My badge was in my pocket. You couldn't see my name. And she comes up to me and she goes, uh, Mr. Losey, are you related to the Polters in any way? And I go, I go, no, I'm not. And she goes, yeah, you've got to, you got to get out of here. And I go, okay, like I'll, I'll, I'll pass, like I'll, I'll, I'll head out. But um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's not the biggest, coolest shop you've ever seen, but it's, I mean, it's just so special. What's, um, what's the difference? Place where... 
what's the difference? Because I've heard about the main shop where people are just going in and it's yeah. overwhelming and just dropping 15 and 20K on, on Masters merchandise. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there was a, another shop specifically for like it, members. Yeah. So it, there, there's, the, there's the member shop, which is like your daily, you know, your pro shop. Um, that all the members and players will go through, um, you know, not during the masters. And then during the masters, you have what's called the big shop, um, which, you know, when, when you go there, Ian, you've got the range and then there's like this big street basically that will get you down to, um, right around the first hole. And on the right side of that street, there's this massive building, um, actually, it doesn't even really look that massive on the outside, but when you go inside, it's just like a department store that's just all masters, memorabilia, hats, everything. Um, there's so much stuff. But then the, there, there is another shop that's very private, which is Berkman's Place, which is where you see, um, you know, people spending a lot, a lot of money. I, I think I probably dropped in five years. I, I probably would have dropped somewhere between eight and ten grand. I reckon. I think, like it was just. Holy you just walk smart. in there. I, I, could go, I could go. I could go to. I, I was allowed to go to that shop that you're talking about, Andrew, as well. And it's just you walk in here and just go, yep, 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 yep. Like everything you see, <laughs> yeah, everything you see, you just pick up. You yep. know, <laughs> it's just, I'm I'm planning on doing that with the food. I'm I'm planning sorry? on doing that. I'm planning yeah. on doing that with the food, not the clothes. Well, the, the, <laughs> the food's the food's the best part. It's so cheap. Like, yeah. you know, but any, it's so good. Yeah, any other sporting event in the world, like a a hot dog is fifteen dollars or something ridiculous, you know. But you can get the pimento cheese and you can get the chicken sandwich, and it's like two dollars. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Luke, I have the biggest question: Is the pimento cheese better than a Fenway Frank? Ah, that's different. a great question. It's a very, uh, very different experience. Different experience. Different experience. <laughs> I, I'd say the, the pimento. You know, there's there's eighty there's eighty one games at Fenway every year, right? So there's only one week where you're at the Masters. So the, I think the pimento cheese tastes a little bit better than the Fenway Frank. There we go. So and there's not a lot of people that get there's not a lot of people that get to taste the the, the pimento cheese, right? Yeah, there's a lot of people that get to to go into Fenway and. Uh and taste one of the Franks. Very true. Um, so just to change gear, Luke, I know you have to go and uh, share your expertise on the, uh, the core range at some point today. And you have a, you have a few meetings, so I don't want to hold you up too much, but let's, uh, let's move forward. Let's look forward. Right. So we've talked about your guys, master's experiences going with the Poulters and, and going and commentating on television. Um, we'll round off Luke with when you played it. We'll finish with when you played it, right? That's how we're going to wrap up the podcast. But before that, what do we think this year? What do you guys think this year? Who's in contention? Who, who will, like, what do you think? Um, well, I have a feeling that Luke is going to say Cam Smith just because he's kind of hot <laughs> right now. But um, I, I, I would love to see... Uh, I would love to see Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth get it done. Um, Spieth, 
Spieth, you know, had his kind of comeback year, I, I think it'd be a great spot for him to get, you know, that first major back, um, you know, back from, you know, um, you know, his struggles. Uh, and then I like Justin Thomas's game. He hits a, he hits a high ball. Um, so, so I think it fits a little bit, but um, also it'd be really cool to see, you know, obviously it'd be cool to see Poulter win. Um, I would, you know, that would be amazing, you know, and then, you know, I, I think like anybody who's like older, uh, you know, towards the end of their career who, who, who can, you know, break through and get a win. Like if Louie did it, Louie stays and if he did it, that would be amazing um, to, to see happen. And, and like, so, so last year was pretty cool. Um, you know, being, being that I was around some of the, you know, the coaches in the South Florida area, like Sean Foley and had, you know, spent some time talking with him you know, I saw him at the masters and he was working with, with Rosie um, and Rosie shot like seven under in the first round. So that next day I, I see Sean and I go, I go, Hey, like, what did you guys do? And he goes, dude, dude, he's just striping it on the range. Like so good. Like this could be the week. And then unfortunately it wasn't, but um, you know, it'd be cool to see him win as well. I, yeah, I like, so, um, can I just jump? Can I just jump in there, Luke? I like the Justin Thomas call after watching that round he had at the players, where he's just hitting every single different shape and trajectory and flight. Like, I really, I really feel like he showed what a gamer he was in in that in that that round there. And I feel like sometimes they might constrain themselves a little bit. And I, w I feel if Thomas can go and express himself like that, like even if the wind's not as crazy as it was at the players and the conditions aren't crazy, but still just try and play shot after shot after shot, different flights. Like he's so good at that, that I, I really think he could win with, with that sort of game plan. Uh, sorry, Luke, go on, jump on. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with that hundred percent. Like if you look at the players that have won there over the years, they are, you know, going back to Seve, you know, you know, you know, even the Spaniards with the way that they create shots, you know, their short games. If you look at, you know, people that shape the ball, Bubba, if you look at like even Cabrera way back when he won, when I was there, like those guys hit everybody. If you win it, you have to win at Augusta, you know, you have to have a pretty, and obviously an unbelievable week. And you're going to be faced with shots that you have to shape. Like you have to shape it off the tee. You have to shape it off the tee. So, um, uh, yeah, I fully agree with that, Ian, 100%. For me, obviously, uh, yeah, I am going to go Cam <laughs> Smith. But it, it, it's very much like he he's already had a good record yeah. there. He, I think he finished second, Dustin Johnson. Um, I think he shot the lowest yep. score without winning there, yep. something like that. Um, so, and I, I just can't go past Ram in majors these days. Like, he didn't, he's not playing great at the moment, but you know, great players rise to the occasion. And um, I think he'll find a way to be there somehow on, uh, on Sunday. I, I like a different Aussie. I like Leishman. Like, yeah, I, I really well, think yeah. he's always knocking on the door in those events. Uh, and again, right. he didn't get and, the coverage. Yeah, he, when, the, when the weather was at its worst in the players, like the worst, when literally... I think 75% of balls were going in the water on 17. Like I've never seen anything like it. It was unreal. Um, Leishman 
showed what he can do, just shaping it and sm- hitting. Sm- I think he might have hit seven yeah. iron, like this chippy seven iron, like just so yeah. good. Yeah. So, yeah. and he's always knocking on the door. So I think Leishman, and then I don't know why, but 1% of me thinks that somehow Tiger's going to turn up and play. <laughs> I keep, I keep just, yeah. just in you the back of my mind, it's just tacking away. Hope. It wouldn't surprise me if he turned up and then he makes the court and like, it's just, I know it's not going to happen, but inside I'm like, wow, that would just be the, the cherry on the top of, of his story. Um, so Luke, you played it. Um, yep. What would your chances be of winning? Hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, uh, with the media thing as well, they, uh, they have a worldwide media day on the Monday after the tournament. So same pin positions. Uh, we have to, put, like when I play, we had to play the members tees. Um, so it was kind of the tees circa Tiger 1997. Um, so... It, there was a there was a pecking order uh, uh, with the producers and with the you know the people at work. So, uh, you know, in two thousand and six, that's when I started, but I didn't play until two thousand and nine. So, um, eight forty eight. Never forget the tea time. Um, <laughs> they go. We they, there's there's a there's a media um, dinner on the on the Friday on the Friday night at one of the members' houses or somebody that's involved with the, with Augusta very heavily. And you get in there, you, you, you get there and you sort of they have to check you off the list, like there's security and stuff like that. So you come in and say your name. And if you're playing in the media day, they slip you this little envelope, like this sort of sort of funny handshake type of thing. And so I, I walked in that night and I was like, Luke Cantalo, ESPN star. And they sort of looked at me and then they slipped me this little envelope. Um, so which was pretty cool. And that had the, you know, the, the Augusta National Golf Cordially invites you to the Worldwide Media Day on Monday, whatever day in April it was. And so you had to present that. So if you lost it in between Friday and Monday, you couldn't get in. So that was the most prized possession I think I've ever had. So, and you had to, that's when I drove down Magnolia Lane and you had to sort of present it at the front. You had to present it when you got out of the, the car. You had to present it on the first tee, on the range because people wanted to know who you are and what you're doing there. So, um, so that in itself was pretty cool, but yeah, um, I probably picked, well, got, was able to play on possibly the worst weather day that there has ever been at Augusta national. Um, I got there and got onto the first tee and the sky above it was absolutely pitch black. And I was playing with a few other people and one of them from French TV, he was one of the bosses. And he's like, what do you think? And I was like, I think I'm playing 18 holes today. Um, like he I'll was die. Like, like, I'll, lightning will bounce off me today. I was, I, like, I'll, I'll die. I don't, yeah, I don't care if I get <laughs> struck by lightning. What a way to go out. And, <laughs> and so it, it managed to hold itself off for the front. Um, I, think I, was, I think I was two over on the front. Um, I should have been a lot less, but then on the 10th tee, the heavens opened and it absolutely poured for the next two and a bit hours. Um, the 14th green was underwater. The top part of the 14th green was underwater. Um, and it was a struggle. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I hit, I, I hit the, I, I parred the 12th. Uh, I had to hold about a, 12 footer for par on the 12th. I hit it over the bunker where you're supposed to. 
um, almost chipped it in the water because it was just, it was so fast. Like I didn't believe how fast it was. Um, and I birdied 16 um, with the par three. I hit it on the slope and it came back down. Oh, was it the same pin? TV. The same pin? Same pins. Same. Oh same, my same, God, same. final day pins. So, right. It's like, it's like you, you know, as you stand on the 12th tee, and you understand, like you've been telling yourself the night before, and ever since you got that that in, that invitation, like I'm going to hit it over the bunker, I'm going to hit it over the bunker, and then you get on that tee and you look at the flag, and it seems so simple, and that's where people get sucked in. It just seems like, yeah, it's 150 yards. There's plenty of room. Um, I'm going to take, and that thought actually went through my mind. I was like, you're only going to do this once. You might as well take it on. And I was like, no, no, no. So I hit it over the bunker and anyway, I ended up making par, but um, yeah, it was just the green reading was just like, I feel like I'm a pretty decent green reader and my caddy um, on the ninth hole, I, the flag is short left um, or middle left. And I hit it where you're supposed to on the right edge of the green, right side of the green. So I'm, I'm coming across the slope. There's three levels to that green. And I looked at it and I said, what do you think about three and a half, four feet of break? And that wasn't much, right, at Augusta. And he's like, I'm going to walk to where I think you should hit it. And then I'll, sh and then I'll show you from, uh, yeah, I'm going to walk to where I think you should hit it. And he walked about 15 feet right. And I was like, no, you've got to be kidding. Like, I can't, I can't see that much. And he's like, I'm going to do it again. And he walked to exactly the same place like okay i trust you i hit it pretty much exactly where he told me to like exactly and it it missed low side by like low side by like two inches and wow. i like it stopped within six inches of and i was just like like putts that i thought were right to left he's like no this is going right you know this is left to right like it, it just I, I've never felt so inadequate reading greens in my life. So wow. that's Luke, that was one of the main having played it. What's stuff. your favorite hole out there? 12. Um, I think 12, definitely. I think um, the best stretch, you know, the, it, it sounds, you know, but 10, 11, 12 is 11 is just a brutal hole. Yeah. It's just so tough. Um, uh, I liked I like this. I like the second. I like the third. That little short par four that you mentioned earlier on. I think that's a great risk reward par three. Uh, sorry, par four. Um, and just yeah, the, the the key holes on the back nine are just. But I think if I could play one hole for the rest of my life, I'd play the twelve. There's a there's a lot of guys. Um, no doubt. There's a lot of guys. Molinari, uh, Finau, maybe yeah. maybe Paul, Kepka. Uh, Kepka. They'd buy that, yeah. that that par off you, right? Right, right, right. They're, they're, right. For a lot, the, the funny for a lot of cats. Yeah, lot. Yeah, like right. the funny thing is, you, when I almost chipped it in the water, you know, I'm coming back up the hill, and I'm like, you're going to have to tell this story for the rest of your life. Like, this is this you have to make. Like, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> people are going to ask you for you know hundreds and thousands of times, like, what did you do? And I binned it and it went in straight in the center. And uh, fist bump? I was just fist bump. It's like, it's, fist bump. Oh, yeah. Massive fist bump. Yeah, Massive. there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Fist bump, fist bump, fist pump. Like, 
everyone was clapping like my 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 uh because i knew how much it meant to me like the, the the french guy that i mentioned earlier he played there like three or four times so um you know this was just another thing for him but for me it's like i'm never i'm never doing this again you know so that's freaking um, awesome awesome so let's um let's wrap it up great stories um obviously as well with with bill bill's coach there with with brandon todd um so big big mm-hmm. core connection at the masters um so we, we threw a few names out let's just finish with our picks and you know who we should probably have on right now if we're doing picks for winning golf is Chris. <laughs> Tends to do all right yes. at that. Chris has not got a bad record at, at, at picking winners at golf. So, um, Andrew, who, who are you going for? Uh, I'll go JT. Luke? I, I have to get back an Australian. I, never, I have to back an Australian. I'll go Cam Smith. Oh, Cam that Smith. would be – if you win – oh, my God, what a season. Um, I know. As, as much as it pains me, I'm going to go Australian as well. I'm, I am. I'm going to go Leishman. I'm going to go Leishman. Nice. Um, gentlemen, nice. it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing you up, uh, up at core. Uh, have a great day. Uh, and hopefully we can, uh, we can reminisce on this year's Masters next year. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Core Performance Podcast, your one-stop shop for getting to the core of all things golf and human performance. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ian and Andrew, check us out on Instagram at Core Academy. We'll see you next time.